This week, picking up the pieces after the latest demonstration regarding Halibu enrollment, where to from here? I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 177. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Wallah. With the collapse in talks with the federal government over status in the Alibu First Nation, protesters took to the street in Cornerbrook last week. But they did so without any presence from Halibut chief or council. According to organizer Greg Jaynes, councillors were under orders from Chief Brendan Mitchell to stay away, and they obeyed their orders. We'll be talking to Greg Jaynes about the demonstration, about the lack of council support, and whether it will be a good thing to accept the deal available now to take back retired veterans like himself, rather than holding out for former members of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. And later, we'll chat with Margaret Cranford, denied status in Halibu because she lives on the east coast of the province. First, Greg Jaynes. Okay, Greg, so uh, it's Friday afternoon, and you've just had the demonstration in Cornerbrook from the band office down to Goody Hutchings. I know you spent a lot of time putting it together, a lot of anxiety, organizing these things, wondering how it's going to go. And uh, I wonder how you feel now. Uh, you had uh, 14 people, which is more than you've got to some events, but uh, a lot less than uh, than 10 or 20,000 uh, people who are affected. Yeah, Glenn, uh, there is a lot of work that goes into this, organizing, uh, sending out emails, um, um, you know, soliciting news agencies and everything like that. Well, we have 14 people come out and uh, a bit disappointed in numbers, not given the geographical location of being in Cornerbrook, such a large status base here. What was equally or more disappointing was that we had a no-show from uh, the Federation of President, uh, President of Newfoundland Indians, Brendan Mitchell, and none of the councillors came out to support, support us either. So that was very disappointing. That was probably the most noticeable uh, thing about today. Hmm. And um, I see on Facebook that uh, Frank Skeard, who's a member of the implementation committee that has been in these talks with the federal government, he was, gave you some kind of comment like he'd rather be taking a nap in his truck or something, which uh, I'm not sure what that means. But I think we can we know that it's not meant to be um, a kind comment. Um, looking back um, over the uh, past number of months, uh, you and uh, Brendan Mitchell in particular and the other councillors have uh, you know, it's been kind of tense there at times. Uh, I think about that meeting, uh, I think it was last September at the Civic Center in Cornerbrook. We know that the chief, uh, Chief Brendan Mitchell, president of the, of the FNI, has a very thin skin. Uh, mm. It doesn't take much to set him off. And I wonder if you have any regrets about the way that you uh, handled him. If, uh, you know, looking back, you would have done the same thing or dealt with him in a different way. 
Right. Uh, I have no regrets whatsoever uh, in how I handle things. Uh, when you uh, get tired of asking questions, uh, then you go looking for them. Uh, so it was his, uh, um, you know, handling of the situation that that brought it to to this. So where it is a tense relationship now, uh, because I don't get anything from Halibu or Halibu uh, council members and everything. So I believe there there was I've been tipped off that there was the, to be no communication with me. Uh, so um, that's unfortunate when you're being blocked uh, from uh, Halibu websites and uh, or the Facebook page and you're emailing, um, you know, for answers and you get nothing back. So um, that that is to me uh, very frustrating. But no, I don't regret uh, in handling uh, if, if Brendan Mitchell, uh, Halibu chief can't take it on the chin then he should look for new employment so your your information is that uh, the chief has advised counselors that uh, they are to have no communication with you is that your understanding that's my understanding um i was uh tipped off by a a, a counselor and uh who said that to to that effect now i do have some uh dealings with some counselors uh, that do uh, answer answer me so uh, not by email but usually on messenger so um, that I can be grateful for. Um, where I get my information is uh, flowing out of Ottawa, which is unfortunate because the Halibut ban is right here in Cornerbrook, where I live. So uh, you had uh, 14 people and uh, you're in Cornerbrook. Why do you think uh, more people don't show up at a, an event that you've organized? It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of effort if you're, if you're, in, if you're in town. Um, it's just a matter of showing up and being present for a half an hour or an hour. Why do you think it is that attendance is so scanty at these things? Yeah, that's a very good question, Glenn. And one I'm not able to answer and that because I don't know. I try to schedule these things for convenience uh, during a lunch hour. If anyone was working and wanted to come out during their lunch hour, uh, schedule on Friday afternoon. So it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, Friday seems to be... Uh, afternoons and not a busy day so uh, I try to schedule these things for for the convenience of those who want to join us and why people don't join us I don't know it sends the wrong message it's, it's just not the right message to be sending now um, we understand that the current situation is that um, the federal government has offered uh, Halibut slash FNI to take back the veterans um, Almost right now, that seems to be on the table, but the problem seems to be getting back the former members from the FNI, the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. What do you think the ban should do? Do you think that they should take back the vets right away if that's on the table? Do you agree with them waiting or, you know, go with the a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush type thing? Yeah, this keeps me up at night, Glenn. Um, you know, and there is no... Uh no good answer here in that because when we started out with the veterans file, we just wanted to correct an error of ordinary residency that to show that we can have a community a connection while serving abroad. Um, now it's turned out to uh, be groups of people. We're going to sit one group over another group. And I'm not entirely sure I'm comfortable with that uh, because maybe I have some morals uh, or a backbone. Uh, you know, I'm not comfortable and, and, uh, uh, being accepted over one group, uh, you know, chosen for another. Uh, so 
you know, the, the federal government has signaled that they want to continue to talk. I asked questions, uh, you know, what was going to be the mandate? What would that look like? Uh, what be the criteria? Uh, how long? What kind of timeline are we looking at? And, uh, you know, some counselors have signaled that this could take up to 18 months before anything is, single, uh, you know, settled. So um, a lot of questions and very few answers. Mm. But you're, uh, you used to have uh, a status card and um, mm -hmm. you could, um, you know, maybe if the, if Halibu F and I took the deal, you could have a status card before the next election. But uh, it seems pretty clear that you won't. Do you think, do you agree with them holding out for, uh, for the big deal rather than the deal that's available now? I know there are counselors out there who want all or nothing. Um, you know, it was my intent uh, or was our intent before that if we can get a few back in, then we can open up the door for the rest and make it easier, pave the way, uh, soften the blow. Uh, but, um, you know, right now as it stands, um, you know, the Halibu uh, uh, chief has signaled that it would have to be ratified uh, amongst uh, members that was never ever part of it that's something new that came in and uh, i was uh, shocked to learn that um, we fought for to have our status reinstated if you had a status card and it was uh, revoked uh, you were taken off the indian registry that we should be able to go back and say you know here's my my registry number i still have that secure certificate of indian status please reinstate me and it should be like that uh, it should be as easy as that so, um, you know, a lot of people have told me, have said to me, and I have gotten hate mail uh, about this and that. And they say, who are you over anyone else? Well, we're not. The veterans are not. Just because you're a veteran doesn't mean that you should get reinstated right off the bat. Uh, you know, there's some criteria you have to have to meet. And I think that uh, the criteria, we have already met the, that criteria because we had a status card in, in the beginning. Right, Greg. Well, thanks for organizing uh, the event uh, today. I know, uh, as I say, these things take a lot of work. So thank you for that. And uh, thanks for talking to us. And I guess we'll see um, how things uh, shake down going forward. Yeah, we'll see how things, uh, uh, you know, develop. And uh, But, you know, I'm going to take some time off now and uh, get some rest and try to uh, not think about these things uh, so much. Um, but um, I'll get geared up in October uh, when the upcoming elections come. And uh, I think I'll be, a, uh, you, you'll see me out there. I see. So it seems like uh, we won't be seeing you for a little while. You're going to take some uh, time for some self-care before you come back uh, in, a, in, a, in a few weeks or months. Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. I have to um, go back to the drawing table and uh, see where, this is going to lead and why people are not coming out, um, you know, maybe change some tactics, um, that, that type of type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's back to the drawing board and, uh, and re reinventing the wheel again. That was Greg James. While the feds appear to be willing to give Indian status to retired veterans, not so with former members of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians a group that includes some of the very activists whose work made Halibu First Nation a reality, a First Nation in which now they're denied membership. Margaret Cranford's people came from Flat Bay, ground zero for Mi'kmaq culture in Newfoundland. 
but she has been denied status because she lives on the East Coast. I reached her in Conception Bay South. So we're talking on Friday, April 23rd, after the latest demonstration in Cornerbrook, where there were 14 people who turned out. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess you can look at that in, in a positive or a negative. 14 is bigger than have appeared at some demonstrations, but uh, a small, very small portion of 20,000 people who might be uh, affected. Granted, some of them you know, live out of province and are not readily available, but Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask you what, what you, why you think um, there haven't been more demonstrations and more uh, response to the call to come out. Well, firstly, uh, Gwaglin, um, thank you so much for inviting me to speak today. Um, and uh, thank you to Greg James and everybody else that came out to the demonstration today. 14 is fantastic, actually. And I think that there was some media coverage there too. So that's great. Willalio uh, to everybody that did come out. Um, there have been quite a few demonstrations, actually. Myself and other people here, I live on the West Coast, uh, sorry, the East Coast of Newfoundland now and from the West Coast, Conception Bay South. But we've had many demonstrations over the last uh, three or four years sometimes where we've only had 12 or 14 people show up when we've uh, done demonstrations through respect of drumming and singing on Confederation Hill. Mm. Um, I actually facilitated a forum at the Genesis Center through Memorial University back in 2017, where uh, I invited anybody who was involved in the enrollment process with respect to the chief and council and all of our peoples uh, to come, we had over 500 show up mm. and we, uh, you know, had microphones. Everybody had the opportunity to speak. Mun was fabulous. They gave us our, their IT people. Um, you know, as a gift, I sewed and gifted moccasins to everybody that, that donated that center for that purpose. So mm. we have had many demonstrations where we've had few people show up and many people show up. Today, uh, the lack of people, you know, there is a pandemic. People have their own reasons. Perhaps people aren't close. Certainly I would have been there, but uh, to drive when it's not safe, eight hours across the island just wasn't an option for me. You are committed to this cause from the beginning. You've been, um, you've been out there. And Mm -hmm. do you ever get discouraged? Do you ever, do you ever lose faith and wonder, well, why do I bother? Uh, what keeps no, you going? For me? Well, it's uh, <laughs> a big part of what keeps me going is how unfairly our ancestors were treated, that there was not recognition. Uh, what keeps me going is the, the tenacity of our people, you know, the resilience and the strength of our people for so many decades that have really fought so long and hard. Some of our elders, some of our matriarchs, you know, a lot of our people from the West Coast. I mean, my mother was born and raised in Flat Bay. You know, for me, people talk about this process being seven or eight years long. I've been in this process for 49 years, Glenn. Mm. You know, my mother's 81 years old. She's been in this process. Well, probably not the the process of band building, but uh, she was born and identified as Indian, you know? Uh, So at 81 years old and having had status revoked uh, with the supplemental agreement, it's, uh, 
quite the smack in the face. What keeps me going is that I know that it's our birthright. Um, I don't like the word entitlement. I don't know why. It just doesn't seem like a positive word to me, mm -hmm. but it's our birthright. And um, I know that what's been done, I really believe that it will be fixed mm -hmm. through the courts, of course. Yes. I mean, I suppose uh, looking back over the years, uh, as you say, enrollment has been an issue uh, in different ways, going back to the 1970s, the problem, the challenge then was to get people to come forward and identify as mm -hmm. Mi'kmaq people because of the shame, getting enough people to go forward with the uh, with the uh, the court action and the application and all that. So the the struggle back then was rounding up enough Indians uh, mm -hmm. for for the effort. And now we're in a different place where uh, the federal government thinks there are too many. So it's, uh, you know, it's been a, a long and a long and winding road. And now where we are, um, I wonder what you think of, um, of this situation where we have now, where we seem to have this uh, two groups. We have the veterans where there seems to be some agreement from the federal government that they can be uh, admitted back into the band with status. And then we have this uh, larger group uh, that would include you, mm -hmm. uh, where there are people who were active in the FNI, were involved in the struggle over the years, and now have been excluded because of your address. You live on the, on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. What do you think, uh, if there was a chance to have the vets uh, come in, 60 people maybe, according to some estimates, do you think we should take those now and still keep on fighting for the for the fni people like yourself or do you think we should hold out and um, have a more encompassing agreement i believe in a more encompassing agreement but i think that the divisiveness you know that was a strategy that was used that has been completely toxic and completely hurtful and as i said to you you know um, talking briefly in other times um, anger is just a sister or brother of hurt. You know, our people are hurt. And um, the division that it has caused between families um, is not acceptable. It, in terms of uh, when we talk about the people who initially were used or the names that were used that went to Ottawa to build a legitimate First Nations band, um, you know, it came down to... Once those names were put forward, I don't think the names really were honored after that. I think the numbers were. And I think that's where we got lost in the process. I, I really wish that, and I think that if the whole enrollment process had stuck with the initial people who had been accepted and were actually status, had received status, if they had built a band, leaving those people where they were without us any of us, whether they're a veteran, you know, whatever your type, labels are labels. You know, we're all human beings. And if we have a birthright that, you know, as an identified indigenous person, then that's our birthright. You know, there is no government or any uh, corporation or federation that can tell us any differently. We know who we are. It certainly hasn't changed my perspective on who I am. Mm. Um <clears throat> In terms of uh, including some people before others, I think the people that were included should have stayed included and they should have built using the same enrollment process, the same criteria that was used for us. The supplemental agreement was the division that was brought in. 
you so know, just to, of- just to clarify what you're saying, then you're, you're talking about the initial F and I membership of whatever it was uh, five or 6,000 back in the day, you think that should have been the core group and built on that? Or are you talking about the 10,000? Well, it's we're not in even the number, Glenn. The initial band list of people who were accepted in status, whether they were a Federation of Newfoundland Indian. I mean, when we were members of Federation of Newfoundland Indian, uh, there were certain criteria we had to, to meet to become a member of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. And then there were other people just by being associated with a band that became a Federation of Newfoundland Indian member. So they're, they're diff- everything is a different group. What, what I feel is that anybody who had been accepted, recognized, and gotten status, whether they were veteran, Federation of Newfoundland Indian, not a Federation of Newfoundland Indian, but a recognized status member should have remained a recognized status member. I don't think it, it matters if you're a lawyer, a doctor, a veteran. I have the utmost respect for the veterans, the utmost respect. Many of my family have died unrecognized as veterans. You know, but should anybody be more accepted than the other when it comes to numbers? Because the numbers is a game, as we know, you know, 10,512 or, you know, 6,800 or what we started with, you know, 7,800. I mean, really is irrelevant, isn't it? You know, if we were accepted members and identified, we should have remained those members. That was Margaret Cranford. It looks like the only hope now for people like Greg Jaynes and Margaret Cranford is in the cases before the various levels of court. The next case up is the Abbott case, sponsored by the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. It will be heard in the Federal Court of Appeal by video conference on May the 12th. You can view the proceedings by registering with the court and getting a link. Find out how on the Mi'kmaq Matters Facebook page. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Our intern in residence is Ellen Riopel, a student at the University of King's College School of Journalism in Halifax. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nemotis.